What's up, Florin family? Welcome to the huddle. We come at you every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Central to discuss maintaining forward progress in your flooring career. If you like what you hear here or if you've uh, enjoyed any of the episodes, please consider giving us a like or subscribe in our YouTube channel. Um, like and subscribe preferred flooring's uh, social networks, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. The guys are great on there. And uh, same with GoCareer. So I missed everybody last week. Thank you guys for jumping in there and and uh, covering the show. I appreciate that. Yeah, hopefully we did okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't gotten a look at the whole thing, but I know you guys, so you, you covered just fine. So this week, um, we're going to be talking about cash flow and cash flow management, uh, starting with the uh, installation professional. One of the, you know, ways we got started, I think, you know, preferred flooring got started installing, so did I. And so managing that early cash flow was key to eventually opening up a full service shop. Um, so I just thought I'd start with you guys, give us a little bit of a, you know, maybe experience on how you guys manage cash flow early on, some of the, the, the great things you did and some of the maybe mistakes you made. And, and uh, then I'll, I'll follow up because we have a very similar path to starting our flooring yeah service you know the a full service flooring company i think uh i think in the beginning it was uh we had to learn as we went right in the beginning it was just very hard so you know labor only and you're you don't factor in a lot of like the consumables and everything else and cash flow was very tight to say the least um starting out i think um we structured our pay based off of a salary. Um, so that way, that way we weren't just willy nilly with the bank account. Um, that was, I mean, we're still salary um, to this day because of it, because it, it worked. Um, but in the beginning, cash flow was a lot different. We didn't have, whatever we didn't have, we had to go buy and we didn't have the um, the credit line yet unless we were using our own. So um, that was pretty difficult and challenging in the beginning, but the with the little bit that we paid ourselves on the salary, and then I think we waited about a year before we hired our first employee so we can build up a cash flow. Um, uh, so that way we didn't have to worry about not being able to pay someone. Uh, that was a very long year. Um, and you'll learn you learn that it's not very hard to live without a lot of things. Essentially, yeah. like what he just said, like short form is stay broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll, I'll uh, excuse me, hiccup. I had a very similar thing. I mean, when I started, me and my partner uh, started the company, we both took very low salaries and uh tried to build up cash uh one of the key i think um important things was we took work from different segments mm -hmm. so we were labor only but sometimes we'd a lot of times we'd work for a shop because we get paid every week and then sometimes we'd work for an interior designer who would pay us when the job was done and then sometimes we'd work you know started working with the general contractor who pays every you know in 30 or 60 days we didn't jump right into the you know working with the gc on big construction jobs we'd have never made it we also didn't just put the money in the bank and take whatever was left over um <laughs> and so i think that was very wise i still take a salary myself after 20 years so um the the key of of staying broke as you said daniel is like that that's what we did too it's not an easy road but uh ultimately if your goal is to you know i've seen it 
I've seen it happen the other way. I've seen plenty of guys uh, do work and then they get in real trouble because they either tried to do, you know, non-cash flowing projects, meaning working with the GC or something like that too early because the GC, because they're really good. So the GC is like, Hey, I want you to do my job. And they say, okay. And then they, they do another project for a general contractor and they don't get paid forever. And they were not prepared for that. So I think having a good mix of projects is key too. Did you guys kind of mix that around as well, as well as residential? I think that's another one where you can get that, that deposit, get that money flowing into you, that kind of thing. Did you guys do that too? Yeah, I think we got pretty lucky. A lot of the the places that we started working for right away were, you know, turning an invoice and within within seven days we were we were getting paid. Um, if it was larger projects, uh, you know, that payment schedule would be slightly extended. But um, for the most part, I was very transparent with everyone, and so was Daniel. Like, we're hey, you guys, we're starting out. Like, we have zero dollars. Uh, we invested everything we had. Uh, when we were let go and we invested a little bit that was borrowed. Um, and they were like, if you need a check, just let us know. If you need a check, just let us know. We didn't abuse that. We didn't even, we didn't even ask for that. It was just offered. So, you know, to, to go back to where you said uh, the contractors where you're waiting 30, 60, 90 days. Um, we were fortunate to not be in that scenario. Uh, right. <laughs> um, it, 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 and you're right. Um, had that been an option, I don't know if we would have went down that road because of the length of time, um, the cash flow, everything that was coming in was was going right back into it right away. Like we had we had nothing, you know. We were, yeah, you had to buy equipment almost yeah. immediately. Yeah, that's what we found, and a big benefit of paying yourself a salary as well. Just as a side note, is uh, I'll use some personal experience here with my my father who has worked for himself for many many. I mean, for probably 30, 40 years, he worked for himself as a painter. He never paid himself a salary. Uh, so the only Social Security he has today is what he earned the first 10 years of working as a union and uh, painter. So, you know, today his his Social Security income is like 600 bucks a month because he never paid in. He didn't w you know, pay himself a salary, W-2 salaried position. He just paid his expenses and kept what's left. So there's another benefit of like doing that. Um, I got to just hope that it's actually going to be there when I, when I turn 65. But, yeah, but the point here is had he paid himself a W-2 and, and paid into his Social Security way back then he'd be in a different position today and um you know you can't go back but my advice to any installer is if you're even even if you are just an installer and you got a couple of guys working for you pay yourself a salary let your bank account grow uh it'll come in handy on a rainy day you'll have a little bit of money to invest in things that you may want to invest in whether that's equipment or um you know expanding your business but living off of what's left will get you um i've seen it get a lot of guys in trouble you know just and proper part of that is probably uh the next topic uh under this is like not just um how do i say this a lot of installers who get started and they live off of the, the proceeds tend to live off all the proceeds. So you never budget your personal life because of it. You know, you just have this money coming in and then properly tracking expenses doesn't happen as much then. You know, kind of, I guess at the bottom line is run it like a business. If you're an installer, run your installation business like a business. You know, we had a conversation like that in the mastermind group with Kyle um, about that. And it's it's hard to track your. It's hard to track any project and get your your daily operating costs if you aren't on a set pay schedule, right? Like, 
if you're just starting out and you're going through your bank account and everything that gets deposited, you're treating it like a flow through to you. Um, you, you don't really know where to make adjustments financially on some of your pricing on what am I spending on supplies for this type of work or this week or this month. I think and, that's one of the biggest things when we started. That's what we did. It's you have to separate your business income from your personal income. Like, yeah. Just because the business is making all this money doesn't mean I'm making all this money, even though we're technically a pass-through entity. So the the IRS treats it like that, <laughs> but you still have to separate that based on, all right, this is what I want to do in business. This is how I can get there. This is my own personal over here. And like I said, it was it wasn't a mindset of stay broke. It was, it's what we had to do in order to move forward. Like in order to see the vision transpire, it's like, we're only going to pay ourselves this much and then constantly reinvest into the business. And that's what we did for years. So that's what we're yeah. still doing right now. And, and, and you know, also helps you on taxes because when you're paying yourself a weekly uh, salary, you're paying in taxes. What we did, um, it, and I still do to this day is I max out my taxes. Like I want them to take as much out of my weekly income, my, my salary. And then I knew what I needed to bring home to make do early on. And that's what I paid myself. Plus I made sure I paid enough to cover the taxes. I wanted to pay as much into taxes because it is a pass through um, tax structure. If you're say an S corp or uh, even an LLC, the profit and the burden of that profit flows through to you. But like you said, have a separate bank account for your company and then pay yourself a weekly salary into your, into your, uh, just like you would any employee right into your personal account, but you're paying those weekly taxes and it's, it's easier to stay up on the taxes early on. Um, that way you don't have this huge tax bill at the end of the year. If you just have one account and you pay everything out of it and you just keep all the extra, you better be making some quarterly tax payments. But one way to do that almost automatically is max out your tax um, amount that you pay in on a weekly basis from, from your salary. And then, um, you know, at the end of the year when your income is all calculated for taxes, you've you've paid a pretty fair sum in from your personal income and me and my partner when we first started i obviously i bought him out in 03 but from 99 to 2003 we both just took salaries and it helped us stay up on our taxes kept our tax burden down at the end of the year that kind of thing so there's a lot of benefits to doing it that way yeah and we um in full disclosure everyone like I learned this the hard way from previous ventures, right? And that's why when when Daniel and I partnered up and we decided to, to start preferred, it, it had to be structured right away. The other way didn't did it, it didn't it didn't work. I mean, it worked for as long as there was there were were funds in the bank, but as soon as you get under a certain dollar amount and you have X amount of employees, it doesn't work anymore. You're scrambling, you're in scramble mode. You got uh, everything's separated, right? So your employees, your uh, wages, your wages, then then uh, everything else on top of that, your vehicle, the maintenance. And starting out, nobody goes out and buys a brand new vehicle, right? So you're going to buy a used vehicle. You got to figure you're going to spend $500 a month in maintenance on that on top of fuel and whatever else. Um, I mean, you're going to be spending a, a truck payment, a van payment anyway, and maintenance on an old vehicle. So Learn that one as well. Yeah, and even if you do go get a new one, you got a truck, you got a, a bigger vehicle payment. So I mean, at the end of the day, having those separated is wise. And um, like I said, there's that added benefit of having some taxes automatically coming out of your account uh, or out of your check on a weekly basis. And then you know, frankly, it. It helps you to not overspend on a personal level. Uh, you know, sometimes you're going to have some down weeks when you're installation only. And it's nice to have that extra money in the bank where your salary still comes through each week, just like it has. And if you live within those means, then 
you know, you can make it through, uh, you know, a period of time without actually working. And you may be out, you know, scrambling for work, but there are slow times. I mean, it's not been around for a while, but it does happen. I remember installing and out trying to drum up work and it may have a week off, but I still got my salary because we put the money in the bank. Yep, I remember planning for it too. I remember the lulls like right before Thanksgiving and then after Christmas. That was about where I was at. So, um, uh -huh. and then it always a little bit of a lull right before we call school season started. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it's like the tide was just pulling itself back for a second, but it was going to come back strong and you got to be ready. That's a good analogy. So Jeremy commented on Facebook. He says the, one of the reasons why he hasn't jumped in full time on his own is not being able to have the steady cash flow, but being a W two employee, he's able to invest in four hundred one k, move up the ladder to get off his knees in a reasonable amount of time. Because I think he just he, you see too many guys out there that like he says they're one man crews and you know they're sixty years old right now, and it's because they didn't take the time to playing things out when they were younger kind of like you said your dad that's that's all he did was you know when he was in the union and then he has really nothing after that it's a lot of these guys take a look at that bank account and I mean don't get me wrong a lot of us come from you know pretty much nothing so it's when you see start seeing that that amount of money rolling and it's hard to to just look the other way and keep it into that account but it's it's all mindset, right? It's uh, where do you want to go? Uh, delayed gratification. Where do That's you want to go? And and what do you have to do in order to get there? And a lot of these guys can't see past the weekend. You know, we see guys that are you know on Saturday they're out at the casino, and then on Monday they're complaining because they can't work because their vehicle is broke down and they don't have no money to fix it. Yeah, I can't count how many times I've had that. You know talk with an installer who doesn't have gas money on Monday or mm -hmm. Tuesday or whatever and can't get to the job site. I'm like, dude, you just got paid six grand last week. You know, how the world. And a lot of times it's just, they, they, it's so much easier to indulge in the things where you would have discretion when you just take what's left over if that's how you're going to operate your busy business and you got three thousand dollars left over after a six thousand dollar week and you pay everybody and you go out you, you had three grand in your mind well i paid myself 600 bucks for the first four years that's what i paid myself on a salary and we didn't we didn't move that for four years neither one of us so you know, I, it can be tough, but it is delayed gratification. If you're wanting to build a business, even a successful installation business, you got to have some money put aside for training your guys, for for uh, training yourself, for getting to convention. Those, all those things go into this big bucket, and you're just a, a W-2 coming out of that bucket, and you let that bucket grow. And I, I know what you're saying. I mean – there was weeks we that me and my helper would do six thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars worth of work. I get paid six hundred. That bank, our our business banking account was going up and up and up, and I'm still just kind of scrounging by personally. But if you really want to grow a business or grow a a a nest egg, even maybe you don't want to be a full service, but you don't want to be living week to week forever. Grow that nest egg big enough to where you, maybe you can increase your salary uh, in in a couple of years, and then that nest egg can continue to grow where you're not always dependent. I, I think what I did not want to do, and the reason I was just super fine with taking a salary is I did not want to have to starve the next week. I'd learned how to live on 600 bucks, mm -hmm. so that was going to work, and then I didn't want to have this time frame where my family had to go down. If you do it that way, we didn't ever have to go back in lifestyle. It wasn't a, a, you know, lavish lifestyle, but it was the lifestyle we were living at that time. We didn't have to go backwards because we were always getting that check because that, that nest egg was growing. So on down weeks or slow weeks, 
I was still getting paid, even if I only created a thousand bucks that week. I still got my normal payment and I was, you know what I'm saying? It's like treating yourself like a good employee is the best. I think that's the best when you first start. You create a routine and it, it does get easier. It, it gets gets way easier once you create that routine. Um, and I just don't understand how back when I was younger, how I didn't see that and, and the need for that. So, and, and that's one thing too. I think Daniel made me think about it when he earlier is when there is no education classes out there. Everybody's worried about hand skills and installation, but there is no financial management classes out there for a young entrepreneur who can go get a 1099, a DBA or LLC, right? They don't have any of that. You got to do all that. That's why we're here. Yeah. And, and it, and that's the thing though, is they do have those classes. It's just, you have to go look for, them. for them. Yeah. They're not it, readily available. Like, Oh, you're and, here. Here's a booklet. If you're starting a, a DBA and you have a business license, here's a booklet from your County. And I mean, that would be, that's the thing. Easy. It's, it's like uh, the FCF and, and, you know, we're, we're trying to recruit more installers, but recruiting new installers doesn't necessarily mean we're recruiting good business people like they keep on pushing them into you can make this much money and work be your own boss and all this but they don't push them to where it's like go come through our program and then go work for this company for x amount of years before you do this it's it's always uh that 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 mindset or that statement where it's like you can be your own boss and i mean you you know as well as we do being the boss is not always the the greatest thing in the world it's uh yeah, it's not always cracked up to be sometimes yeah it's like it, it would be so much easier if we weren't but at the same time if we weren't in the positions that we are now we wouldn't have this platform here talking to other guys that need the help. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't say enough that, you know, we've touched on so many subjects that if you are starting out as an installer and you're thinking about, or you're an established installer and you're thinking about like taking the next step in your, in your, uh, in your career or your business, you know, forward progress to us means like wherever you're at right now, you can move forward. You can go, you can go, but you can get bigger, better, or just better. But, you know, what have we shot 60 plus episodes? And a lot of them have to do with how you run a small installation company and how you can turn that into like, I could have been extremely successful from a monetary standpoint without going for a service because I did pay myself a salary and I did create a lot of, I did a good installs and I, I, I attracted good installers. Me and one other crew, um, we really could have had a very good uh, lifestyle. Um, you know, I wanted to grow a full grow into a full service company there was a big need in my area. And um, so I t that's what I wanted, but you can run a successful installation only company as well. It's just having some discipline with your money. Uh, you know, we're talking about cash flow, So you, you got to consider making good business deals on the front side, like getting terms that, that fit your business model and collecting well, and then doing good work. I think those are all kind of, I hope understood. You have to do good quality work. You got to collect your money and you got to do the work that best serves your business. But at the end of the day, man, you can be, you, you can go any direction in your, once you have the hand skills and the business mindset that, that of discipline, I see it all the time. The biggest problem that, that plagues the installation industry is guys just living off of what they make and not having discipline around their money. Uh, I know a guy that, you know, he does real well from a, how much he pulls. And, you know, instead of, he replaced his old truck with a Mercedes Benz, you know, I think that kind of spoke a lot to what, where his mind was. I mean, 
could have went out and got a really nice uh, van that, that would better serve your business. Um, you know, I don't think I drove a car for, <laughs> I don't, I still don't drive a car. I probably haven't drove a car in 20 plus years, but I didn't drive a non-installation vehicle for almost 10 years. Like my kids, I'd take out the seats and I'd ratchet. I'd literally put the seat back in so that I could put my car, my kid's car seat in my van. I can't imagine not driving a work vehicle, like something that I can throw my tools and material. I can't, I just, I can't like, there's a need for it. 100%. But it happens, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I remember driving my, my S10 across the country with a 35 foot roll of broad loom <laughs> and from the yeah. tail over the, over the cab and it scratched everything up. I, I, yeah, it was sad. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, another piece of this um, cash flow portion is also tracking your helper's labor and making sure whether it's a helper or other installers that work for your install company, making sure that, you know, you, they're being properly trained and they care about the quality they're putting in and their production, uh, giving goals. I know we've talked about that in the past about giving your installers goals. Um, you know, when I was just me and another guy, uh, I had a helper, he had a helper. I mean, we both set goals on a weekly basis on what we were going to try and get done on a bigger job. And sometimes it was a daily goal. If it was a, you know, smaller projects. And you just kind of got to get together and um, kind of track that labor and know where your expenses are coming from because labor and equipment, gas, all that stuff, it adds up. It does. Like So um, when you first started, how were you tracking um, for your, your partner and, and the helpers? Like I've, I've always done like time cards. We used to do handwritten time card track hours. Uh, some people do square footage or just by the job or by the day. Um, what are some other ways for people starting out uh, to track that? Because that has a lot to do with it too. You got to be able to track what they're installing, how much, how much they're installing, or if you're by the hour, like is the the rate match what's going down? Yeah, we always did it by the hour, and um, the lead guy, my other lead guy he got a salary and then a bonus on whatever got that, whatever he beat. So that was the purpose of the goals. So say you got a thousand dollar job, just as an example, and it's going to go for a week. And as an example, he gets paid 500 bucks and his helper gets paid 200 bucks. And there's a thousand dollars of money in that budget for the labor portion. Plus a, plus a profit to the company. Well, we just bonus him out the difference. So it, it always encouraged them to work, um, that they weren't working harder for nothing more. Um, it wasn't really that unique of a setup. It was just how we chose. Uh, looking back, I probably would have done a little different, but that's how we did it. And uh, it worked out pretty well. I mean, he my my other installer performed well. He, he worked hard and he was he was there. Uh, you gotta give, gotta give employees, and he was an employee, so um, but you gotta give those guys a reason to get up and go to work. And we just could not afford a big, big, you know, huge hourly rate. At the end of the day, some of the jobs didn't have any money at the end of his, at the end of the wages. Uh, but again, we were trying to set precedents that. When we have good jobs that pay out well, that we're we're gonna you can make more money. But at the end of the day, you need to be budgeting your life for what you know you're gonna make. So, what about um financial establishment, or would you you, you know guys who you still use a, a shoebox? I mean, shoebox <laughs> receipts. Well, it's not even a financial establishment. That's a bookkeeping software. Because Matt, yeah, so that he says back in. Very helpful to track your expenses, but yeah. back then we didn't have all the fancy technology, so it was literally uh, turning in an expense report each week from each crew, every every gas receipt, every everything. If they're out of town, 
food receipts and hotel receipts and all that came through. And then my partner would put that into QuickBooks. That's what we used at the time. And this was before QuickBooks went online. Um, so this was just a piece of software on a computer at the time. And, you know, we, we tracked all the expenses, including labor. And then what was left over was available to be bonused to the other installer. And I never bonused myself. That was the sacrifice I made. There was no bonus to myself. All my extra went, stayed in the bank account for the company. Better safe than sorry. Yep. I get it. Yeah, I mean, we were used to get to eating ramen noodles. I just didn't want to have to go down to like you know, canned beans. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with canned beans. <laughs> no, if, if um if you're out there and you're getting ready to start uh, a business or thinking about it, going on your own, I'm sure you have family or friends that will support you. And, and you know, I'm not too proud to say that Daniel and I did go to. We counted on family for some food sometimes, um, and, and it they helped. Not, not saying like, hey, can you feed me on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays? It was uh, what y'all doing today? Yeah, what <laughs> y'all doing today? <laughs> can we come over? Oh, lost you. No, we lost the audio on you. Then you just gotta turn on your headphones or your mic on your headphones. <laughs> there, there it go. goes is it good yeah. yeah yeah i'm back okay sorry about that i don't know if i touched something or what when i adjusted them but i guess um you know you don't have to start that way do you i mean you don't not everybody has to start struggling uh if you if you've established yourself uh working by by the hour for or by the day or whatever, by, as an employee for a company, and you've got a good savings stocked away and maybe uh, some assets stocked away that you can get a loan against, you can kind of jump in and skip some of these oh, harder yeah. steps we're talking about. I mean, we're not I'm, saying everybody has to go through the ramen noodle phase, so to speak. No, but, it, but when we started, like, both of our credit scores were not the greatest, yeah. and... Uh, we, you know, we, we were already struggling and it was just not an ideal situation. And we just did what we had to do in order to make that situation better. Yeah. And kudos to the yeah, people in a better spot. Like, if, like you said, if you, if you were already planning on doing something like that for years and, and now you feel like you have the, the finances to, to pull that trigger and you're comfortable yeah, you're in a way better spot and that's a lot smarter um, and well, way ahead. I encourage, I mean, to plan it. I, one thing that you guys and I have in common as well is we didn't plan it. I mean, you guys, it was kind of a very similar scenario, I think. I, I got noticed that we, the company I was working for was getting ready to get bought out like the fourth time and the new ownership group was one of the existing pms that work there that did not like me at all um and she she she's a friend of mine today but back then she was she did not like me at all and i knew my my writing was on the wall i was i was getting booted as soon as she took over so i just i had to quit and go make money right away you know so i didn't have a lot of time planning on it i just figured hey i can do i can do at least as good as that company was doing, which was not that good. And this new ownership group coming in, you know, promised the world, just like the previous one did, that things were going to be better. Um, and when I say better, I'm not saying like, you know, getting paid more. I'm talking about having checks that would clear the bank account. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, one time I held five checks that did not clear. And you want to talk about Speedy Gonzalez on the way to the bank every, when I'd get the tip who from the PM that ended up being my partner, he tipped me when he knew a check came in. And then I could jump in my car and run to the bank, see how many of those checks I could get cashed. And, uh, you know, I, that just getting checks that would clear would have been an improvement back then. The new ownership group, when they came in, was promising things were going to be different. 
I just didn't think I was going to be there anyway. So I decided to go out on my own. And when, when you do that and it's kind of last minute, I'm in the same position you were. I didn't have the best credit at the time. I was young. I was only 22 when I started the company. So I didn't have, it wasn't that I didn't have good credit or bad credit. I just didn't have any credit. No credit. You know, I had one car loan that I was paying a ridiculous percentage on because I didn't have any credit. And um, so there's a hard road, but it, you just, all I'm doing, all this, the purpose of this uh, discussion is, is to let you know that one, other people have went through it. Two, there are brighter days if you can be disciplined with your money. And I can tell you right now, there's for every one of the stories like yours or ours, there's 50 stories of the guy that lives off his business 100% and uses all the funds and never has a rainy day, doesn't pay his taxes, and ends up working for somebody out of necessity, not out of choice. They have to work somewhere because the IRS is after them and they need to get garnished. I mean, I know those guys. So do we. And, and you're right. They, they, we are definitely outnumbered by those guys. So because the, the the reason they go W two is the fact is is they go W two, then the government can only garnish their wages. That they don't go take their home and their cars and you know yeah, everything. You, you stay on ten ninety nine and the government, if you owe the back taxes, they come to start taking stuff. Dip dip uh, your hand in your whole bank account. <laughs> yeah. So. So cash flow is important early on. I mean, that's the bottom line to this is collect your money, do good work, make sure you're installing good product so you don't have failed projects early on. One thing that'll kill you as an installer is doing poor work. Early on, it'll just it'll just kill you. Having to go back and, and rework or redo stuff, I'm not saying we were perfect in that regard, but we had very few and far between of going back and having having problems when I was installing. And then if you can get a good mix of jobs between homeowners, you know, maybe a little longer term stuff like with the, with your interior designers or something like that, and then working for a shop that could give you that weekly pay, having a good mix there kept our cash flow a lot better. If I'd have been just GC early on, there's no way in hell I would have made it. And same with if I, I had an interior design group and they're the ones who really kind of helped us uh, see that we were going to have business as a company. And uh, they were a high-end uh, interior designer, but they didn't pay. They collected from the client and then paid us. And they didn't pay us every week. It was when the job was done. And if it was a two or three week project, we had to wait two or three weeks for the, for the money. But we had all the expenses, all the gas, all the labor, all the car payments and everything. You're muted again. Sorry, I had a call. <laughs> I had to be on my phone because I wasn't smart enough to charge my laptop beforehand. <laughs> so, you know, even if I would have done only the interior designers work, it would not have worked out. It wouldn't have made it because I couldn't have always been spanning those three weeks we had to have a good mix of those three working for a shop we got paid every single week and that helped a lot um, of course they didn't like it when we started working with gcs and then we lost that but that's a natural masturbation of like you know growing your business i think yeah so so good advice is to Make sure that you don't have all your eggs in one basket, that you do have a mix of, of pay schedules. Understand those pay schedules and stick to turning in the invoices if needed, right? Because if you don't, if you miss that pay period, that's your fault, not theirs. Um, don't overextend your finances on labor, um, material. Like sometimes we did that too a couple of times where we weren't into material sales, but we would buy material with money that we didn't really have and then we'd be waiting. It's like, oh, yeah. didn't think that one through. Um, track employees, contractors, wages will help. Um, and have separate bank accounts. That, yeah. Like, 
that that's probably the first one have a business account and have your personal account but don't live out of your business account and start working on your business credit on day one yeah yeah you know, we, hey, I know well, this is about cash flow, but that that's a very important piece too, right? Like if we didn't build credit and get to a point where we said, all right, we either use it or we don't, right? It was, all right, let's use it. So that way we're not using what we have because I know that what we have down the road is going to pay for that you know, and, right. right away. A lot of the cash flow were like when we were, I mean, we, we were running 12 installers at one point and that stuff starts adding up, especially when you're waiting for checks. And it's like, all right, let's get this line of credit going. And then you talk to them and they're like, all right, we'll give you five grand. It's like, well, five grand isn't going to do anything. But that five grand, and then you, we just, you know, initially you take it out and then you repay it. And it costs you a little bit of money. But then they're like, all right, you paid that pretty quick. Here goes 25. Oh, uh -huh. here goes 50. Oh, here goes a hundred. And it's like, you, you, you have to steadily build on, on that. And honestly, it's the, the cost of doing business sometimes. And that's how you got to just look at things. It's not, I don't want to pay interest on this because I just don't want to pay interest. It's business is expensive. And sometimes you got to come out of pocket in order to build something. That's the business expense is paying interest and, and, building that's a great point is starting to build that business line of credit whether it's with your bank with your vendors pay your vendors on time they they'll extend you out a little longer and sometimes you get that you get to that nice 30-day you know net with the with the vendor and then you're getting paid on a weekly basis from these and get that mix was really important for us i know you guys have a similar deal where you do you did some homeowner stuff where you get paid a little faster you can get 50 percent down and like i said working for a shop you go do the labor only and get that money within a couple of weeks and then your longer term stuff but building that business line of credit whether it's with your bank and or vendors is super important because then you're not just ripping out of your cash yeah that's uh that's always a little heartbreaking when you when you got to dump a large chunk out of your hard-earned money. And pay your taxes because you don't want to be uh, the guy paying interest on your taxes. That's another thing. Like, that'll just, that just snowballs on you. I do. And that's where you don't want to, that's where you don't want to be borrowing from. Right. And that's where, when you say paying quarterly, right? Because if you don't pay quarterly and you only pay at the end of the year, you're going to get hit with the penalty regardless. So. Yeah. And it's, it's a, the the penalty is one thing, but um, those quarterlies it just is another discipline thing. Like it it helps you be more disciplined in in paying those those tax bills. Um, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be there. So you know, at the end of the year, if you profited a hundred grand and you've got to give twenty five percent to the government, do you have twenty five k in the bank that you can just send in? You can sacrifice. Well. That's why it, it can be tough if that happens to hit at a slow time in your business and maybe you've been drawing on it and when's it hit at that slow time at the end of the year, like what Jose was just talking about, maybe you don't have it. Well, then you get your real penalties when you're not paying it at the end of the year, plus you start incurring interest and all these things. So being disciplined on your quarterly, um, you know, estimates, and I mean, there was times we'd get money back because we do the quarterly estimate and plus my weekly payroll uh, to me and my partner, we were taking out our income taxes on that as well. And since we were a, an S corp, all the money flowed through. So all that tax that we paid in every single week, plus our quarterly estimates, we'd actually get some money back at the end of the year. That didn't last long. As you grow, that's harder and harder to do. But, uh, but um, still, I, I would recommend paying in, uh, you know, and of, of course, always going to make this comment, talk to your tax attorney, talk to your, to your, your accountant, uh, accountant and, and make sure to get professional advice. But what worked for me was 
paying quarterly taxes, you know, that quarterly tax estimate and um, taking a W-2 so that I could get taxes taken out weekly. And when you pay your taxes, you get uh, basically your receipt is giving you your net worth and that will help um, when you are starting to uh, get traction and, and want to apply for that, you know, $5,000 loan, 10000 15000 You got to have a net worth. If you don't, you don't have anything but what someone's paid you, that's, that's, that's nothing. They need to know that you paid uh, into the government uh, to even qualify for, for any of those loans. Well, it, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you're going to go through, if you want to apply for anything, they're going to want to see, you know, those, let me see those last three years of uh, your business taxes. Yep. And yep. that's something you don't want to fall into either. And we've touched on this numerous times before. <laughs> it's not, not being able to build where you want to go because of your negligence on not paying taxes. And then you can't pay cash for everything. No, and that's a pain in the rear anyway. And that's not really running a business. That's owning a job. And you're not even doing a great job at that if you're not paying taxes. Um, and some people are just fine owning a job. But I, you still got to do the right thing. Pay in your taxes. Again, I don't care. If, if today I was still installing on a daily basis, and I'd still pay myself a salary. I, I would still do it the same way. That's the one thing looking back, I wouldn't change. I think it was the right thing to do. It worked and it helped me tremendously in getting that cadence down and understanding when I didn't really understand a lot about business, I didn't have to like worry about like making it. I, I don't know. There's a certain level of personal um security and knowing that you're getting that payment every week from yourself yes but still that you're you're not going like i said going from ramen noodles to to canned beans or maybe it's maybe canned beans are better <laughs> the other is a backdrop but you get what i'm saying yeah, we're mexican so we love beans <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you said beans earlier i was like yeah beans I'm yeah. come on man they were good all right so we kind of touched on the biggest things and you you just kind of kept them off there a second ago, Jose. Is there anything else you guys can think of a pitfall for the new guys kind of getting going? Um, I know one of the comments was talking about, you know, 401k and things like that. Obviously, you can do that on your own as well. Um, right. If you're if you're responsible with your money, you can you can pay into a 401k right right as as you're uh, taking your W two. I, I do have something to add to that, um, to, to this whole conversation is, uh, and, and you know, to each their own, right? It's okay to say no when you start getting the cash flow and you have friends and family reaching out to you. You're trying to build something that's going to last a lot longer than than a favor. Um, it's okay to say no. Yeah, well... I think that can go down a really deep rabbit hole because I think we both probably have some instances where all of a sudden friends you haven't talked to in a long time all of a sudden find you again. Uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for family. I'm a sucker for family, and Daniel's too. And if I said we say no all the time, I'd be lying, right? And and but if you and your business are not in a good spot, it is in your best interest to 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 have that control and say, I'm sorry, I can't right now, even though it hurts your heart. I think that's the key is knowing that if you can't, you don't. Yes. If you can, awesome. 100%. You know, help out. But at the end of the day, don't, don't fool yourself. Don't let your ego, you know, cause you to say, Oh, they're going to think I'm not making, that's what got me. Like I would help people out because I didn't want them to think my business wasn't doing great. You know, so if I give them money, they 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 think I'm successful. As for family, mainly, you know, that this venture that I jumped out head first into the water for, uh, you know, I didn't want anybody to think that it wasn't panning out. That I, there's plenty of times I gave money when I shouldn't have. Well, today, this is this is what it, being a business owner is. This is what we're riding a roller coaster. Yeah. It is certainly a roller coaster. 
All right. Well, with that, guys, it was a pleasure to see you guys. I was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I caught a bunch of fish that were about this big and a, a few <laughs> that were, let me back up, that were like, like that. So. Where were you actually? I went to uh, northern Canada, Saskatchewan, and uh, there's a place there called Eno Lodge, Eno Lake Lodge. A buddy of mine owns that, and, um, and then we take a float plane on into the northern territories and and go to some lakes that have never been fished or rarely fished and, and uh, play them. So it was a good trip, and I appreciate you guys covering for me last week. Yeah, not a problem. Everybody it was basically was just him talking the whole time. <laughs> try, try to talk the whole time. I don't know if that's uh, if that's a, uh, a <laughs> indication of your knowledge or. No, I'm just pretty good at filling dead space, dead air, right? Like <laughs> I'm the filler guy. It's okay. I understand. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, we will see you guys next week. And um, looking forward to hanging out with you guys at the end of this month. Yeah, yes, a couple sir. more weeks, right? Yep. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Two weeks. Oh, wow. Yep. About two weeks away, guys. Uh, I guess it's worth saying again. Uh, FC, uh, FCICA, and uh, the CFI, their combined convention is going to be in Orlando. So. If you haven't gotten attend, if you don't plan on attending, or you hadn't thought about attending, I would strongly encourage you to uh, get down and come hang out with some professionals that can look. We all learn from somebody. I I learn from people. I know that Jose and Daniel learn from others at these shows. Come down and and you can see a bunch of different types of businesses and how they run, and they people will talk to you and uh, help you through some of your problems. So I encourage you to get down there and, and experience it. And most importantly, Crystal will be there. Yeah, and Crystal will be there. Go down and check, check out the uh, the show. I, was, I almost said, go down there and check out Crystal. That's yeah, you do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, got, we keep looking this, over because Daniel has a new addition. This, to is the, this is the new family member. Oh, what kind of dog is that? Luna. Luna. All right, well, welcome to the family, Luna. What kind of dog? She's a Shiba Inu. Yeah. Shiba Inu. It's my daughter's dog. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. It's fancy. Dogecoin is based on a Shiba Inu dog. Oh, it's a cryptocurrency thing. Gotcha. Sweet. That's a cutie. All right, guys. We'll I'll see talk you to you guys week. next week. Appreciate you joining. <laughs> And we will see you guys later. See you. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.